Welcome to Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I am Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. Turn that frown upside down, my friends. And Neil Potter. If you thought the twist in M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense was out of this world, you wait until we get into the twist that is at the end of this movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, the twist is so (laughs) crazy that they actually do it twice in the movie, (laughs) which is the crazy part. Of course, this this M. Night Shyamalan-inspired movie that we're talking about (laughs) is, of course, uh, Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, from 2011. It's directed by Glenn Fakara and John Requia. It's about a middle-aged husband's life changes dramatically when his wife asks him, asks him for a divorce. He seeks to rediscover his manhood with the help of a newfound friend, Jacob, learning to pick up girls at bars. Uh, this movie stars Steve Carell, uh, Ryan Gosling, and Julianne Moore. Um, of course, uh, as we always do, we'll start off with some film trivia about the movie. Then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion about Crazy Stupid Love. Then we'll end with some final thoughts on Julianne Moore. And we'll leave you with some recommendations. So, Tyler, you want to start us off with some trivia oh yeah that's me uh yeah so every episode i put together four pieces of trivia about our main film and one of them i have made up completely and you guys have to figure out which one it is so number one the filmmakers were offering a free ipad on set to anyone who could come up with a title for the movie number two Steve Carell has said that he hates the title of the film, stating that he couldn't imagine a group of college guys saying, Five tickets to crazy stupid love, please. Number three. The screenplay for this film was featured in the 2010 Blacklist, a list of the most liked unmade scripts of the year. And number four. Julianne Moore was not aware of the script rewrites during production concerning the characters of her son and his babysitter. She said in an interview with Rolling Stone that if I had known they were going to end the film with a 17-year-old girl giving nude photos of herself to a 13-year-old boy, I never would have signed on. (laughs) All right, so which of these have I made up completely, Neil? Oh, my God. Oh, um, let's see. I think the one you've made up completely is... (laughs) I'm going to go with the second one uh, about uh, the the title, Steve Carell and the, his take on the title. All right, Ben. Mm. This is a tough one. I'll, i got to give you props, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the first one about the iPad. So that seems so dumb that it's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> and you would be correct because that is true. <laughs> Uh, apparently Steve Carell much preferred the original, uh, placeholder title for the movie, which was called (laughs) the wingman. Um, but the filmmakers didn't like that and they were offering a free iPad on set to anyone who could come up with a title for the movie. Uh, yeah. And this was crazy, stupid love. A, isn't that a song title? 
or what's the what's the Queen song? That's oh God, I that. don't know. I guess um, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yep, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> Thank you. I thought so. Oh, I'm thinking of this thing called love. Sorry. Uh, yeah, like, that, oh, yeah, that yeah. shares one of the words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's so funny. That the wingman, like I totally get as a title because it just seems like a shitty studio title that would be uh, attached to a shitty right. studio movie. Yeah, well, and this movie was actually featured in the 2010 blacklist uh, as the one of the most liked unmade scripts of the year which mm-hmm. means that uh, Julian Moore was apparently fine with the script as were hundreds of other people who could have prevented this atrocity from reaching the screen <laughs> <laughs> so wait the so the last one uh, about the rewrites so that was true that they added in um, that whole no like- I'm saying that that was the fiction she she was she did not express any any concern about the way that that final scene was portrayed oh gotcha okay so i I, and i don't even know if there were were rewrites it's probably just the way it was oh god (laughs) man all right uh let's let's dive into this movie guys and i say we just run it down from the top okay yeah i think we're gonna have to it's a complicated film there's a lot uh so this movie starts off in what i think is kind of a strong opener where it shows well uh it shows um it's just a montage of people's feats at this fancy diner you can kind of tell by their body their like body movements of uh like are they on dates or, you know, are they, flirt- are they playing footsie under the table? You know, stuff like that. And it ends with, uh, Steve Carell and Julian Moore who play Cal and Emily. And they're on a date night, probably, um, you know, they're married. This is probably like one of the very few times they get out of the house and, go on dates this is me just kind of reading into the movie yeah but, tell me about it man <laughs> <laughs> um and then they uh it shows them sitting at a table they have menus in their hands uh steve carell is spouting off uh something that actually my parents do now where it's like do you want to split like i can't eat like i can't eat this much let's split it you know <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, then, I already do that, and I'm only 30 yeah. years old. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, Emily drops drops the bomb where she says she wants to get a divorce. Um, and then, um, and then it cut. I think it does a cut back to their home. Um, it cuts back to their home, and like it shows the their babysitter who's watching. They're two kids. Uh, and this is the part of the movie where, like, I started to be, like, they were throwing so many subplots into, like, this first yeah. ten minutes. Like, how oh, yeah. they show, like, the babysitter picking up a framed photo of 
Steve Carell and Julianne Moore. And like she covers up Julianne Moore's face mm-hmm. and just like longingly <laughs> stares at Steve Carell. And it's just like, oh man, like oh, great. It's the babysitters has a crush on the dad. And then immediately they show that the <laughs> the son has a crush on the babysitter. And it's just like crush is a, sub- crush is not strong enough of a word for what he has. <laughs> yeah, disturbing fixation. Yes, yes. And oh god, he so he professes uh, his love for her and gets into like some very disturbing details about like what he thinks about when he masturbates which is because <laughs> she had just walked in on him masturbating oh correct yeah yeah um, I, so my pet theory concerning all these B plots is that this is a an attempt at obfuscating the twist that these all these random side characters and subplots are like red herrings to make you think that this is an ensemble like ensemble multiple part story when in reality they're all connected right like that's the twist and Mm -hmm. I really do think that like having all these extra people that have their own little concerns is just a way to try and like trick you and make you not put the pieces together and I will say it worked, but uh, well, to the but detriment of the story. Of, <laughs> not because of the red herrings, though, right? Uh, well, I it mean, worked because, like, all all the all the like small characters that like that the reveal was that they were all connected in some way. Um, you never thought of it because they were like Marissa Tomei was in one scene. So why mm-hmm. why the hell? I mean, I guess you could be like, she has to come back because it's Marissa Tomei, right? You don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't book her just for one small scene. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know how big how big of an actress was she back when this came out. I, I don't know. Anyways, my my point is like I didn't see. Okay, I'm gonna make admission that here though, and maybe this reveals even more what I think of this movie. I, we were watching this, my wife and I, and about 10 minutes into it, we're like, we've seen this before. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, we've definitely seen this before. And then we're just like, yeah, but I don't remember anything of what happens. This is like weird. And so we just keep watching. We get like halfway through the movie and we're like, yeah, we've definitely seen this, but I still have no idea how it ends. And we got literally to the twist and we're like, wow, we've 100% seen this, still did not remember the twist. It worked. This is like the exact, this is my exact dream for if I could watch a movie a second time that has a twist and forget what it is. But I forgot what this one was is because the movie sucks so much. <laughs> Okay, my initial reaction, I thought, like, it had, this movie does have its funny moments, but, like, 
It is. It might as well be like forty year old version two. Yes. Like yes. that's the exact like and and Steve Carell's character has mentions like yeah I've only slept with one other person. I'm like it's just forty year old version two. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. it's exactly what that movie would be like, and yeah. which is crazy to me. Well, and uh, <laughs> I mean I'm shitting on it. this movie, but it, it, it you're right. There are some funny moments in it, and I I think I even said to my wife I was like this is. This is like half of a good movie, but I'm not sure I could point to which half is the good half. <laughs> like, I don't. No, it's peppered in. It's, it's just peppered, peppered in. in. Like, I don't. I can't. And I, I'm not even sure if you ha- if I had to like choose individual scenes, I could tell you which ones were the good ones. But I was entertained. It just yeah. the the end product. Like when you've finished watching it, you just come away feeling kind of like. Huh. I don't know what I was supposed to get out of that. I, I and I still don't. I have no idea what the message of this movie is other than what the title is, Crazy Stupid Love. Like, okay, I guess that's what you're going for, really. The, just the title is that love is crazy and stupid. And that that's pretty much it. I don't really know what else uh, what else there was to it. Yeah, it's completely it's a movie that is completely unfocused and it yeah. it just isn't quite sure what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of throws in everything. Um yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you mentioned that you kind of th- thought this was an ensemble movie or like it was trying to be one. But so I re- watched the trailer uh right before we started recording and I assume it was the first full-length trailer. Um, it's sometimes hard to like discern that, you know, with movies that have like already come out, Mm -hmm. but on YouTube, it was labeled trailer one. Uh, (laughs) so I assume usually that means it's the first full length trailer, but that trailer makes it seem like it's an ensemble cast, right? Mm -hmm. That like everyone kind of has everyone's storyline kind of has the same weight, but they go through Emma Stone's entire character arc in that trailer. That's so weird. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing that like kind of blew me away about this movie or it stunned me was that uh, that going into watching this movie, I thought it was going to be an ensemble cast, but this is Steve Carell's movie. He is Mm -hmm. the main character. And like Ryan Gosling is he's you could argue that he's a main character too, but he is like supporting cast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And with Emma that. Stone is barely in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she like vanishes for like an hour, and then like comes back just to like finish her arc. And it is mind-boggling how just like it, it, I this movie like sets itself up that it's going to have all these different characters and it's pretty much like uninterested in most of them except for Steve Carell's character. Yeah, it's um, the pacing is bizarre too. Like the, like you're saying how it abandons her like partway through the movie and then just randomly picks her back up when she has something to do again. It it just like that's kind of what I mean by that being part of the red herring, right? Like they're they're trying to make you think that it's about all of these characters when it's really about how all of these characters 
matter to Steve Carell, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, they just tie it all back in at the end, and you're like, oh, it was all about everyone's connection to him. And it just feels really hollow. Like, he wasn't really even an interesting character to wrap the whole thing around either. Like, his, his, uh, his character development over the course of the film is so predictable and like it didn't feel very honest either you know right yeah uh yeah because it uh it it just doesn't make sense like his character arc is very odd uh because it's very like uh i I thought about hitch a lot while watching Mm -hmm. this movie yeah, it was very You're much. You're always thinking about Hitch. <laughs> yeah. It's always in the back of his mind. Yeah. <laughs> Just one of those uh, movies. I'm, I'm thinking about Hitch right now. Um, <laughs> but this is very, like, I mean, Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling, their relationship in this movie is very much Hitch. Mm-hmm. It's because. Oh, yeah. Um, after they separate, uh, they don't even, like, go through an official divorce. Like, he like Cal just moves out mm-hmm. moves into apartment and then kind of just goes to this bar that he's never been to but like he says that he's like always like looked like wanted to go in so he was like I'm single now I'm gonna go in and he just like becomes this like sad sack drunk that sits at the same spot in the bar <laughs> night after night and then Ryan Gosling is the like frequenter of this bar who's there every single night and he always leaves with a super attractive woman and eventually uh ryan gosling they they meet up only because ryan gosling is like hey dude you're bumming everyone out in this bar you gotta stop (laughs) so i'm gonna become your wingman and like teach you and like you know bounce you back from this divorce this is this is like the thinnest of plot devices i've ever seen like mm-hmm. hitch hitch has a thousand times more like relevance to why these characters would end up together doing the thing they're doing like mm-hmm. this is a prime example of writing backwards for to create your yeah. script yeah. like you oh yeah you your premise is uh, divorcee, like sad dude, sad middle aged dude, gets taught how to be cool again by young, suave, <laughs> sexy guy, and then yeah. they're just like, "Well, rich how do we guy get the- who doesn't have a job? They never it, explain yeah. his job. He's just it, super fucking rich." And so they're like, "Well, okay, how do we get them together?" Well, uh, the the rich, cool, suave guy will just take him under his wing. And then no one in the room asked, but why? <laughs> why? Why would he do that? It would make more sense if Ryan Gosling was the bartender. Yeah, and, yeah, something like you that. Know, like, and even that would be just kind of dumb. But at right. least there's a reason why they're talking. And at least in Hitch, it's his 
goddamn job. Like his job is to make, like is to make people cooler and more attractive. Like this, why would he waste his time on this dude? And like, it's not just like oh, I'm gonna take you out for like one day because I'm bored and you seem like this, this seems like it could be interesting. He's like working with him night after night at this bar, and it's just like. What for do like, you have to gain for like from several any of months this? too? Yeah, it was insane. Like, right. there's this is not a person you would your character would be friends with. What are you, what are you doing? He's not paying you. Why? That's all I could think about there's the a, entire time. There's a line at the end of the movie. Uh, Julianne Moore says, "It's been a year." And I was like, "It's been a year." <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Um so uh we get the montage, the hitch montage where uh Ryan Gosling takes Steve Carell um and buys him a whole new wardrobe, gets him a um gets him a uh a new haircut, uh picks up like 10 girls on the way and uh then they like then it's like a really long like montage of like Seacrow learning how to talk to women mm-hmm. and it's like it's like knowing where this movie ends up like after you know where this movie ends up it's just like what was the point of this mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I mean, the point was to have the needless middle act where he, like, hits his lowest point where it's revealed that he had sex with his son's teacher. Mm -hmm. Like, that's really, that's what all of it was leading to, it seemed like. Yeah, I guess so. But even that was just like, (laughs) what did that do? Uh, Yeah, I don't know, man. It... There's so there's so little care and attention paid to like what is the point? Like there his him becoming like a cool dad again or for the first time presumably is like okay, that could be an interesting premise for a film where like maybe you know you you're having this midlife crisis and you're you're trying to better yourself but it's not presented that way really like it's presented as mm-hmm. or i guess i should say it's it's trying to like play both sides right like it's they're presenting Ryan Gosling as like a legitimately cool dude there's like no downside to him portrayed whatsoever he has a wonderful life but then they're also trying to make you feel bad about uh, Steve Carell's character trying to do the same thing. And you're like, but like, you're not presenting Ryan Gosling's character as a flawed individual at all. Uh, at least it didn't seem yeah. that way to me. Well, well, this is like, this is the thing that Hitch does better than that is like, they don't even grapple with it. Cause in Hitch, uh, like they're gaslighting women, like they're lying to women. Yes. But like, this just seems like a like attack like this is attack an attack on um hookup culture mm-hmm. right that like like Ryan Gosling's sin in this movie is that he's objectifying women but like the way he's doing it is by like 
having a conversation with them at a bar and then like a legitimate conversation at a bar. (laughs) He doesn't lie to them. He doesn't like, you know, like trick them at all. He -hmm. just has a normal adult conversation with a woman at a bar and then they sleep together. Yeah. And it's like, that is like the big problem. Right. Where and it's, in it's like not a Hitch. problem. <laughs> like yeah. he's an adult. No. He's having sex when he wants. Like he's mm-hmm. he looks great. He he's saying things that a man that has even like half of his attractiveness would never get away with saying. But mm-hmm. like it just none of the things he's saying are no one in the film nor the directors like framing his scenes are trying to portray this in a negative way there. And it should be, it should be, it should feel gross. Like if that's what you're, if you're trying, if the thesis of your film is that your main character is being tempted into this world of depravity and will eventually find his way back to true love, you have to show this as actually depraved behavior. And, but it's not, you know, or yeah, they never like let that character cross a line. Right. Or they never even like draw the line in the sand. No. <laughs> like they don't even get that what far. I, what I like about, a few things about Ryan Gosling. First, his abs were painted on my. <laughs> was he fit? What's the Second, line? Like your abs have abs. Is yeah. that right? All right. I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, the the one thing about Ryan Gosling's character too is like he like forces his own character development <laughs> like so he's he's going you all you do is see him in the beginning is him picking up chicks and that he's really good at it and then when he meets Emma Stone like he's gonna treat her exactly the same until he's just like you know what he's just like you know what ask me something personal ask me a personal question <laughs> and then that's essentially what breaks the mold for him is him just being like you you know what maybe i should just do something different you know like it's not emma stone that brings that out of him really because she's totally there to plow but like, <laughs> yes it's just, bang. so it's just we're like, gonna yeah, bang b- Get we're gonna bang, bang. <laughs> you know all this said i i think if i had to point to a period of the film where I was the most engrossed and uh, interested in what's going on. It is when these two characters are on screen together. Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling have like, there's a good reason they were later cast together in La La Land. Like they have really incredible chemistry. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I actually totally, I was like, Oh yeah, I just, maybe we just get rid of the rest of this movie and make it about the two of them because this is infinitely more interesting than anything else going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so let's... Kevin Bacon was that guy? <laughs> That's all I want to oh, say. Yeah. Kevin Bacon's in it as the guy that... Uh julian moore cheats on with like maybe that's another thing in the movie is that just hey women can have midlife crises too yeah and <laughs> oh my god about it yeah the the scene that perfectly sums up this movie how it treats women is when they're standing in front of the moving truck and uh cal is moving out and uh emily walks up to him and She's just like kind of like trying to apologize, but she's just like, 
am, I think I'm having a midlife crisis. Can women have midlife crises? <laughs> and then Steve Carell is just like, you got to make sure that you, uh, you trim these bushes and like mow the lawn. And he's like <laughs> fixated on like not uh-huh. being able to like do like yard work while his wife is just like, is just like uh did i did my life go wrong when did my life go wrong (laughs) okay you'll have to remind me is there any point at which that whole like taking care of the yard thing becomes relevant in this movie no well i don't know i very slightly oh yeah well spying and then she calls him yeah you're right okay so but yeah like that i was just waiting for that to have some kind of payoff but i guess that kind of was a yeah i guess that kind of was a payoff it's just no but that that's what you said about writing backwards they were just like they're like we need a scene where she calls him and he is creepily outside of her her window (laughs) how do we get there how do we get there guys yeah, yeah. I, and but you're right though. Like there is something there is something touching about that. Like him knowing that she's not calling for what she's saying she's calling for to to fix the 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 pilot light on the water heater or whatever. Like it, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with it. She's just standing there wanting to call and hear his voice, I guess. And mm-hmm. he he knows that and doesn't call her out on it and just walks her through how to do it as if she actually needed help. So yeah, that was kind of touching. It just if I kept waiting, <laughs> I kept waiting for him to like get caught out there, you know? Like that I guess right. that would have been the more predictable way to do it, but mm-hmm. Um, That's true. All right, let's get into this twist. Let's get into the big twist. Uh, actually, let's let's go through both twists because it they do pull the same move twice in this movie. So, <laughs> uh, at the end of Steve Carell's like uh, like lessons on how to talk to women, he meets Marissa Tomei. Um, at the bar, the same bar he's been at for like three months. Um, they strike up a conversation and he's like, he ends up that he finds that just like being truth, like talking the truth about himself, uh, like works on her where like Ryan Gosling's whole thing was like, do not ever talk about yourself especially not how you're a divorced sad sack and (laughs) they end up going back to his apartment they have crazy sex um sorry (laughs) (laughs) uh they she spends the night at his place she says call me uh when she's leaving but he never calls her. So cut to a hole. I know, right? Um, he, uh, cut to um, his boys' parent-teacher conferences, and they're standing. Uh, him, Cal, and Emily. They meet up um, at the school, and they're kind of talking. And this is also the first time. Uh, the character of Nana gets mentioned. Now, as I'm sure you guys are know, 
most people only call their grandmothers Nana. And when Mm -hmm. I mean most people, I mean literally everyone. (laughs) No one would give that nickname to anyone that isn't their grandma. So you're like, oh, Steve Carell has called his mom and, you know, told him that he was getting divorced. And, you know, that's a throwaway line that we don't ever need to think about. Um, So then they go into... Uh, oh, so then they start talking like, hey, have you ever met this teacher? Like, no, I never have. And then the door opens to reveal the teacher is, uh-oh, Marissa Tomei. Oh, shit. Oh, Lines shit. have crossed. His hookup <laughs> oh. bar world has intersected with his family school world. And worlds are colliding. And it's never good. Um, yeah, no, it was bad. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, um, I don't know. Uh, I think Marissa Tomei is pretty good in this movie. Um, I don't really know what else to say about this whole thing. Like, he's forced to reveal that he's been just banging, like, constantly. Um, even though he reveals that he's had sex with nine women, which is a lot. But also when the revelation that it's been like an entire year it's actually not a lot <laughs> yeah right um so yeah so then that's like the first big twist well then like the big big twist is when he goes to um so Ryan Gosling reveals that he is dating Emma Stone um they're like going steady and it's serious enough that he's actually going to go and meet her parents. Um, this entire relationship development is not in the movie. Uh, they go from having a one night stand to meeting parents in mm-hmm. one scene. And then, um, uh, Steve Carell goes to his home to like win back his wife and he has, she's like blindfolded and like, they're going to like renew. It looks like th- uh, he was going to like plan to renew their vows or something. But then Julian Moore drops the bomb and she's like, oh, you got to wait for your daughter to get here. And it's like, no, your other daughter. And then boom, Emma Stone walks in and they're like, hey, oh. Nana. And that's what? that's her nickname. Her name is Hannah Nana Banana. <laughs> <laughs> Literally and, did not remember. I had already seen that and was surprised a second time. And <laughs> well, like I got confused by it because like they don't hint at it enough. Yeah. They hint at it once. And by the time like they got there, I was like, wait a minute. Emma Stone is Steve Carell's daughter? <laughs> what? Yeah. When was that ever established? Yeah, no, it's a, it, it's a romantic comedy Shyamalama ding dong twist. It, do, it doesn't, it's not necessary. It's not really that interesting. In fact, I would argue it would have been more interesting and more suspenseful if we had known that this was going to be a conflict when they find out. Mm, right? Like, yeah. if. If the, he's the going, old, uh, 
show the bomb under the table before exactly. it blows up. Exactly. I just think that would have been more impactful, like, and because there would have been conflict somewhere in this movie like there was nothing it was just like oh is he gonna try and get back his wife or not or is he gonna continue this life becoming a cool dude Mm -hmm. like that was the central conflict uh, of his character and it wasn't interesting like it would have been way more interesting if we are struggling with knowledge that he doesn't have right like if we're trying to figure out oh god what's he gonna do when he finds out that the guy that he has been training him on how to sleep with a bunch of women is dating his daughter like Mm -hmm. instead we have all of that drama compressed into like 15 seconds while we're figuring out what the fuck is going on and it just (laughs) doesn't it just doesn't work I couldn't get no. past that they nicknamed their child Nana. <laughs> that was your sticking point. <laughs> I know. I, but like, I, I like how they had parents. to describe that, though, because everyone else would have your opinion. Like, oh, only people that have, like would na- name their grandma Nana. <laughs> but no, they're like, oh, she couldn't pronounce her H's, so we call her Nana. Oh, is that the reason? Or whatever. Yeah. That they had to explain it, though. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I don't, don't know. It's dumb. This is a big pet peeve of mine. Don't like adopt your ch- like like your infant child's like how they can't pronounce words. Like don't repeat that shit to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think we talked about this once the other night. Where like my daughter will call her blanket blanky. And mm-hmm. my wife hates it. And I was I was kind of indifferent, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Now, whenever I hear other parents like using words like horsey and blanky, I'm just like, stop. Well, that's a, that's fine. Yeah. I'm fine with that because that's like not them. That's like kind of like a pet name. It's in um, the ballpark. So, um, yeah. <laughs> uh uh, I have two nieces, and they're both three years old. But when they were younger, uh, one of their names is Laurel, and the other one could not pronounce Laurel. So she would say, uh, like, go go Laurel, or something like that. Like, she just added a G to it. And people in my family would refer to Laurel as Galaurel. And I'm like, that's not her name. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, uh, all the Ben's relatives is... that listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I'm pretty sure I've already like told them all this. So uh, this is public knowledge. But it's such a like. Oh, that wasn't an internal thing. monologue. You literally just shouted out, oh. what are oh, you doing? Shit. That's not her name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, shit. Are we recording? I'm going to, I'm just going to delete this. Let's start over. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah. And then this, like the climax of the movie happens at this, the backyard of their house where, um, Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling are getting in a fight because he doesn't want him to be dating his daughter. And then also the intersection of something that we have not touched on, 
the babysitter, her story arc is that she really wants to bang Steve Carell now that For he's on the market. whatever reason, I do not know. <laughs> hey, I mean, whatever. <laughs> okay, I won't um, kink shame, I guess. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so she has taken pictures of herself, nudie pictures of herself. Nudie pictures? Um, or has, or has her, her, I really like when her mom finds them. So like sh- this girl takes pictures of herself naked and then puts them in an envelope and like signs it Cal, but then like never delivers it to Steve Carell. Yeah. You just um, stick it in your socks drawer. Yeah. So when her mom finds it, her mom's response is the JJ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. I think I think my wife thought she said that too, but I'm pretty sure she's saying my JJ, so because her my, name is Jessica, I think, and so my JJ. Okay, I think Fucking that's what she's in this movie. <laughs> I I'm pretty sure there wasn't a 45 year old mother saying the JJ when she sees pictures of her daughter naked. <laughs> Uh, uh, this she's is older than <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm gonna have to go back and turn closed captions on, and we're gonna figure this out. Because <laughs> yeah, I definitely heard for JJ. <laughs> God, that would be absurd. I really. Uh, I hope that she did. <laughs> uh, so then, this the mom shows the uh, um the. Uh, the pictures to her husband. The husband explodes. Not because just of shows course. them. She, without telling her husband oh, what yeah. they are, while the entire family is sitting together in the living room. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the most absurd, yeah. most absurd way to reveal this to your husband. Like, why? First of all, if that happened, I would not show them to my significant other I would spare them that like no one yeah. no yeah. father needs to see that okay like you don't just and then flip through like four or five of them <laughs> however many of them were yeah, in there yeah, sick out the through them. Gosh. my response my response would be like Honey, why the fuck do you have naked pictures of our daughter? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why are you showing this to me? Why didn't you tell me what you were handing me? Because <laughs> there'd be like a real, there'd be a moment where you wouldn't even register that this could be your daughter, and then mm-hmm. you'd be like, "Why? Why am I looking at naked pictures that you handed me? Oh my god, it's my daughter! Like that's scarring. That's yeah. terrifying." Uh, but this is another case of, uh, you know, doing the writing backwards yeah, because they need is. a reason for all of these people to angrily wind up somewhere. Yeah, yeah it, <laughs> like, it needs to be a it. sudden like burst of anger for him to rush out of the house. Oh, mm. God. It was I did. Um, I did laugh when because uh, his entrance into the um, into the backyard mm. Is just like him coming off screen to tackle Steve Carell, which <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah. was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is also uh, the the dad is played by John Carroll Lynch, who is a pretty incredible character actor. He's been in like a couple other movies we've done on this podcast, I think. Oh, really? I think so. He's just one of those actors that's like 
when you see him, you're like, ah, I don't know who that guy is, but he's good in stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, he plays. Um, he's in Jackie, the that Natalie Portman movie. He plays Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah. Um, I know him most as um, one of the potential Zodiac killers oh, in yeah. Zodiac. <laughs> uh, he's pretty <laughs> incredible in that movie. Uh, but yeah, I mean, his, I mean, you just like scroll down his, uh, I mean, he is like one of those like character actors that mm-hmm. like you've seen him in probably like 50 movies, but like you don't like, you're not really sure like what, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause yeah, he just pops up everywhere in TV too. Like he's in so many TV shows. Yeah. He's never like a leading man. Mm hmm. Uh, but yeah, he was pretty, even though his part in this movie is pretty, like, dumb and, like, one note, like mm-hmm. most characters in this movie, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so then, uh, so this is my other, just to, like, rehash the whole, like, what did Ryan Gosling do wrong? Like, this, like, I think the problem is that, like, before this whole scene, before this confrontation and the twist, like they had the scene where he was like, Hey, I've met someone that I really like and like we're dating and I think it's serious. And then like Steve Carell, like congratulates him and like gives him advice. Like the tables turn and he's giving him advice, you know? Mm -hmm. And then just all that goes away and he's like he's like no this like you can't be dating the guy who's taught me how to like have healthy sexual relationships (laughs) 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 like that's the problem like it's not to bring up Hitch again but like (laughs) what Will Smith was doing in that movie was bad like yeah there is no redeeming quality and like what makes that movie good? Uh, I'm sorry. I can't believe what we're ma- saying this. But <laughs> what makes that movie good is that his redemption, whether I, th- I think we all agreed that the redemption wasn't really earned in that movie, but there is a redemption arc where he like, he falls in love with a woman and like, he starts to tell her the truth and like, you know, tries to make that relationship work. Like in this movie, it just came across as like hookup culture is bad and you should like in no circumstance, even if it's consensual sex between two adults (laughs) with no deception. Yeah. (laughs) And and even some endearing moments, like when he does the dirty dancing routine with all the women he brings back to his Mm -hmm. house. It's like, that's actually pretty endearing. Like that, (laughs) this guy, he's not doing crazy creepy things to get women to have sex with him he's doing like fun like one night fling kind of things like and like yeah. you said having a pretty healthy sexual relationship maybe you know an outlier in terms of like how many people he sleeps with is a little bit extreme but there's nothing really extreme about his behavior right mm-hmm. and there's no like th- there's no like um uh, you know, in Hitch, like they keep showing women, uh, like 
come up and berate Will Smith because they find out like what he's like right. what he made men do to the women. And so like but you never see like you know, you never see like what Marissa Tomei does, how she's pissed that he never called her. Right, right. Like you never see that. Like I mean the the one thing that you could say that's wrong with Ryan Gosling is that he's just using these relationships as one night stands and they're like soulless and they mean nothing to him. But that takes away all the agency of the women on the other end of the equation. Like men are not the only ones who enjoy having one night stands. Correct. Like they could all have understood the context of this person in this, you know, the context of how they met and be like, yeah, this is what I wanted. Right. Mm -hmm. And they, that's even implied. The movie never touches on that. So right. it's easy to imply that they're like, they're there for the same reason. I mean, it's it's endorsement by uh, omission of any negative consequences. Like mm-hmm. the fact that he goes to the same bar every night and none of the women who frequent it that he's probably <laughs> fucked are shouting at him. Like they all know, they all know and they don't care. At least that's what the movie is presenting to us. Cause yeah. it, it would make more sense if, if this was a bad thing he's doing that we would see the consequences because mm-hmm. it would make sense. Yeah, there's not even like a line where he was like, oh, man, I went to the doctor and I had to get tested for chlamydia. But don't (laughs) worry. It came back negative. Yeah. Gosh. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I mean, all that to say, like, they kind of they kind of do an okay job with when they are showing his side separate from Steve Carell with uh, where it's Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone like that, that sequence where they're like having that, you know, quote unquote one night stand where they never actually do it. it, It's that's really cool. Like that's a cool Mm -hmm. character moment for him where he's realizing, Oh, I can find some more meaning in a relationship than just sex. and but still not condemning the his previous behavior. It's more of a just like maybe I want something different now than I did when I was you know twenty five. It it's I don't I don't know, man. It, it's so confusing. <laughs> it's so confusing what they want us to believe about these characters. Mm-hmm. And the weird Correct. thing, the person who gets a straight, clean character arc that is. I mean, it's only weird because it's a weird moral to end the movie on, but the son, um, uh, what's his name? Robbie. Mm-hmm. Robbie. Uh, he is infatuated with his babysitter and because he's the, she is the only like woman um, or girl that he knows that isn't his two sisters and his mom. So it's like, of course he's going to be in love with her. Um, his character arc is that he just keeps berating this woman, uh, until eventually she gives in and just passes off some nudie pictures to him. She's like, Hey, someday you're going to look like your dad. And I'm, I mean, um, a second place <laughs> is still finishing the race, right? <laughs> it's God. so weird. This this is like so. Starting with his 
middle school graduation sequence, right? Like where mm-hmm. he has this big speech where he th- says that like soulmates are a lie, and then his dad comes love up is a and lie. love is a lie. This was so confusing. This it felt like a moment where the movie was trying like gonna wrap it all up in a nice bow and be like, here's what the movie was about. But then it even just left me with more questions because it feels the moral like, is like you gotta you gotta fight for the love that you believe is true, right? But they and that kind of makes sense between like Steve Carell and Julianne Moore because they've been married for like thirty some odd years, right? Or whatever it is, but to pass that on to the thirteen year old that wants to get down with a 17 year old is just like, dude, slow down. Yeah. It's really, (laughs) that's a really damaging way to, especially for young men. Like we we talk about ideas of toxic masculinity, right? Like this is, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is on the lighter end of that spectrum, but it is like telling a boy that like, Oh, she'll eventually come around. It's that's like, it's fucking stalking, man. Like in this movie kind of playfully says like, Oh, don't do that. That's creepy. But it never like outright condemns it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And the problem, I yeah. mean, since like almost all care, all female characters in this movie are basically cut out. Like a- Emma Stone should be like this huge character in this movie. The way like, you know, the way her story arc is, but she's not, she's barely in it. Uh, Julian Moore is like barely a character. Um, she kind of gets a fun scene with Kevin Bacon where they're like, Kevin Bacon is like, he's like, dude, we had sex and like, I love you. And she's like, uh, I'm going through a divorce and it's weird that we work together. <laughs> and like that's it like that's her character in this yeah. movie aside yeah, we, from just yeah. being the wife that Steve Carell is trying to fight for we've barely talked about her <laughs> and she's the premise of this season of the podcast but it's yeah a it's true character for it this. Is, yeah no it, it everything like I was saying everything is designed to trick you into thinking that this is about all of them but it's all about Steve Carell and it just there's there's no there's no point to all the extraneous stuff and it just ends up coming across as like these very stereotypical characters who have like one note and you end up wondering why we wasted so much time being introduced to all of them you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even even josh groban's character was very cookie <laughs> wait josh groban yeah yeah he was that uh he was emma stone's like uh oh like her boyfriend, boyfriend or whatever yeah. that was josh <laughs> yeah. groban that's josh oh, groban damn dude yeah. film richard you Oh, what a guy. <laughs> Everyone has a first name. <laughs> Everyone, or no one in this movie has a last name except Kevin Bacon's character. <laughs> because they keep saying, everyone keeps saying his full name. Yeah, the one name that's repeated multiple times that I still can't remember. David yeah. Linhagen. Okay, you got it. There you go. 
<laughs> I'm sta- I'm j- I'm just staring at this at the <laughs> cast list. Okay. There's one other person, Amy Johnson. Uh, who who plays Amy Johnson? And what was, is that character? Was that her friend, Emma Stone's friend? Maybe? No. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe it's it is. Me. Amy Johnson, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> It is the one other character in this movie that has a last name. That is crazy. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) History not solved. Moving on. (laughs) Um, Let's wrap this up, guys. We've talked about this movie for way too long. Mm -hmm. Uh, And let's get into final thoughts. Uh, For every movie, we give Julian Moore (laughs) a rating of one to five Julians. Um, Neil... Uh, what do you think? <laughs> sure. Uh, gosh, the, I I hesitate to give it the lowest score possible because I was entertained and like there was enough comedy that was pretty good at sprinkled in through a good chunk of it, in my opinion. Uh, I so I want to give it like a one and a half. <laughs> Julian's uh, just to not give it a two because two is being a pretty generous <laughs> given like the amount of story faults and just kind of like weird contrivances and stupid things going on but like it was it it's it's funny and it's pretty funny I mean I wouldn't I that's that's about as the best <laughs> compliment I can give it is that it's got some pretty good comedy moments in it but other than that like Julian Moore wasted completely uh and uh, you know it, it just about everyone is and if you're not counting like uh ryan gosling as being eye candy he did well in that regard other than that like that's that's about it uh so i'm gonna go with like one and a half just because it made me chuckle <laughs> a good a good chunk of time <laughs> very nice tyler yeah i uh I feel like I've been shitting all over this movie and sometimes it's just fun to rant, but it, it doesn't, you're right though. It doesn't deserve the lowest possible score. This is, it's not a terrible movie, but I'm not going to go so far as to say it's a good movie. Um, I wanted to give it two stars also, but I think I literally have to take off a a half star or a half Julian as well just literally just for the final scene where the babysitter gives a naked <laughs> photo to a 13 year old boy like that is unforgivable I literally cannot believe and this I mean this isn't a like 90s movie or even an 80s movie it feels like something out of an 80s movie doesn't it like Revenge yeah. of the Nerds yeah. era that kind of terrible joke of a moment Mm -hmm. but this is like 2011 i cannot believe how many people would have had to have read the script shot the scenes approved the footage edited it shipped test screenings test screened it like how did this how did that one scene alone make it through all of that a full wide release a a home video release and decently well reviews i don't fucking understand it so insane they honestly could have like cut that out and just because ha- she kisses him on the che- cheek, and I would have given it a two two Julians. Like, 
<laughs> it, it would have been an okay movie. <laughs> Just taking that alone out. Oh, so so weird. So weird. I'm creeped out. Yeah. But it, yeah, this it, it's a two it's a a one and a half Julian movie. And I, okay. I, I almost don't even want to say Julian because she's just not even in this movie really. But yeah, it's it, it's a one and a half. Yeah, I, I will not be generous as you guys. I'm gonna give this one out of five Julians. Um I I mean, like Neil said, I did laugh a lot at this movie. I do agree with you, there is a lot of jokes. Um I I mean this wasn't I like, it's just like the cast is incredible. This should yeah. have been an amazing movie, but it's just bad. It's just so bad. And just way where they go, the end of this movie and where they go and just how like all the characters are just given short shrift in their, their storylines. Um, it is just mind boggling how this movie just... Uh, came to be and it's really bad and um, honestly like uh, <laughs> to take a peek behind the curtain like um, I if I would have seen this movie prior um, we would not have done it on the podcast because <laughs> uh, Julian Moore like she gives good moments uh, like what she's given but her character is just not there and um the like scenes that she actually has are just not good enough to i think warrant like you know what this podcast is supposed to be and that was a mistake on my end um i specifically uh remember (laughs) going to the wikipedia page of this movie and just doing a find uh like a search find for her character's name and it popped up like a hundred times. So I was like, well, she has to be in this movie a lot. <laughs> well, I, I could have saved us from this fate because I had seen it before, but I'd completely you. forgot. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was my bad. And yeah, it's luckily the next movie that we're going to do is on this podcast. We'll hopefully make up for it. Um. But yeah, anyways, that's it. This is a bad movie. No one should talk about it. Um, all these actors have gone on to very successful careers, so they're not really sweating it. Um, except that boy, Robbie. I think he's like done acting. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully not because of this movie. Um, but hey, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into some recommendations, guys. Uh, um, for every episode, we'll leave you guys with some recommendations that don't necessarily have to be movie-related. Um, so, Neil, why don't you start us off with your recommendation? Right. I've got a real short one, but it's the dirt album from Allison chains that came out in 1992 so <laughs> i <laughs> i recently cut. just bought <laughs> i recently just bought the vinyl for this and Ooh. it just you know i i threw it on one day just while i was gonna like fold laundry or do dishes or something like that and just cranked it up and holy shit was it a hundred times better than i thought it was like this 
this album spawned like five singles and I'm sure you've heard like wood, them bones, rooster down in a hole, all from this album. But like everything, everything is dynamite from this album from like front to back. Like it is, I, and some of the, I, I want to say I probably haven't heard at least one of her, one or two of those just because I never listened to the whole album once before, but they were ripping man. Like if <laughs> this is like my, my taste of music too, like Allison chains and Nirvana are like a two of some of my favorite of all time. I love lead singers who are dead for some reason, I guess. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but like, it, it it's incredible like if you are into early 90s like grunge or and rock like this is a go-to and this is one of their biggest ones too so like if you're into that i'm sure you've probably already heard it but like go back and listen to it like it's it's so good um and then just a, a quick shout out to vinyl too like records are are great stuff i mean I can hear a difference and that's not me being super pretentious or anything. It's just good stuff. But like, <laughs> if you can get like Allison Chain's dirt on vinyl, give that thing a listen. It'll change your mind. It'll blow your world. Doesn't that, yeah. doesn't that always just really mess you up when you like, <laughs> when you grew up on music from the radio and from like best of albums from artists that were kind of before your time. And then you come mm-hmm. to find out that like, five of your favorite songs from that band are from a single album like that that just like that always blows my mind to think that like holy shit some of these bands like there's a reason they became popular after like a single album dropped right like that's that's heavy yeah and that yeah i i'll second that i mean um allison change is such an incredible band and that i don't know if I've actually listened to any of their other albums, but dirt is like huge. Yeah. And that lead singer is like, um, like one of a kind. Like, I think a lot of French bands kind of have that, that like all their singers are just so different, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. The vocals on in Alice in Chains are just pretty incredible. Yeah. You won't hear anything else like it. Mm hmm. Nice. And vinyl too. Vinyl's pretty dope. Yeah. I do not have a record player. I might have to rectify that someday. Yeah, you gotta like you gotta put in the money for like a good sound system too. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. even just mm-hmm. a good set of speakers and a subwoofer. Mm-hmm. Um to make it really sound good. But nice. Mm. Well, I'm going to recommend a, a video game that's been out for a while, and Ben and I, Ben actually turned me on to it, and so I kind of maybe aped his shit here recommending it, but uh, I'm going to recommend Sea of Thieves. Um, it's the Microsoft exclusive. It's on PC and Xbox, three, uh, Xbox One, and uh, I was actually really looking forward to this when it came out about a year ago. But then I was kind of turned off from it because I heard it was pretty bare bones on release and that there wasn't really a lot in it. But this is the like open exploration pirate multiplayer game um, where there's really not like a there's not like a real progression system or a story of any kind. 
it's mostly just like an excuse to jump in with three of your buddies and fuck around on a pirate ship. And that's like, that's it. (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's That's the game. And I, like I said, back when it came out, I was like, I don't know. At the time I was playing shit like Destiny 2 and, you know, big, really fun single player story game, story driven games and multiplayer progression stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'm liking these. Why, why would I want to go to see if these were like, I just do the same thing all the time. But now that I've played it and that we've tried it, Ben, man, it just clicks. Like th- this this is like a game that is from a different era where we've kind of just forgotten how much fun it can be to not worry about leveling up or unlocking more powerful weapons. Like sometimes it really is mm-hmm. just about like jumping in and getting in a boat and like looking across the ocean with your spyglass and finding a cool looking rock in the distance and be like let's go over there and check that shit out like that's it and the the game is awesome it's it's gorgeous the art style is incredible the rendering on the waves is some of the most incredible like it sounds so lame to say that but like when you're on a boat that's just staring at the ocean for large parts of the game, it's kind of important, right? Like you're, it's, it looks so good in 4k and HDR on my Xbox one X and man, I'm really glad I gave it a try. Cause I think we're going to be playing it for a while now. So yeah, I'm yeah. loving it. Sea of thieves. Yeah. It's so fun. Nice. Um, yeah. I mean, it's one of those games. I think you can kind of tell like how fun a game is when like, the most basic part of the game is like incredible like Mm -hmm. the sea the water in this game is like unbelievably gorgeous Mm -hmm. and like you know i'm sitting on my couch with uh, my controller in my hand and like just the movement of the boat like it feels like i'm like on a boat that is like going through water right yeah yeah um have you ever seen the master that PTA movie with yes. Philip Seymour Hoffman. And so there's a long section of that movie where uh, walking Phoenix is on a boat and there's like shots of just like the water and the like trail that the ship is making through the water. Mm-hmm. And there's like shots of him like laying down on the deck and you can like see the water. Uh, I think about the parts uh, that part of that movie when I'm playing Sea of Thieves just because <laughs> the water it's just so incredible just to watch the water yeah. as your ship is just going through it well and it's, it's like it, it's that combination of beauty and like terror right like yeah, yeah we we've only been playing for a little bit we only have like some of the most low level bounties that you go out to collect <laughs> like you grab you know pirate chests and fight skeletons undead skeletons and stuff but like there has been very little danger yet but we're just starting to scratch the the like the very top of that well right like there mm-hmm. there's obviously lots of other crazy shit that can happen like we know that there are like megalodons and krakens in the ocean and like i'm 
I'm having a ton of fun, but I'm like in the back of my mind, I always know like, oh man, the more, the more we do, the more likely we are going to run into something like that. And it's going to be freaking terrifying and awesome. I can't mm-hmm. wait. No, nope. uh, I'm too scared. <laughs> there's no way I'm getting into that. Oh, well, there's a, there's a great moment the last time we played when, um, we were returning to a port to like, we had like six treasure chests yeah. like on our ship and we were going to sell them all. And we landed and there was already like, there were two people on the land already. And they were like, they were like waving at us. Like, they're like, we're friendly, we're friendly. And we were just like, we we're just like, we don't trust them. And this, this was like actual players. This was actually like other human beings. Yeah. And we, they ended up like slowly getting on our ship and then we had to like take them out uh, because we were like so worried that we had this like horde of gold that they were going to steal. Yeah, it was terrifying. Like they, they were like playing like they were all friendly and wanted to party up. And without any voice chat, they're just like using text uh, commands or whatever. And mm. we couldn't like keep an eye on both of them. Like one of them would disappear and be like, where the fuck did they go? And then they would just <laughs> yeah. be behind us on our ship. <laughs> and we we're like, what the God. fuck? And so I don't even know who shot first, but like we took them out and then like frantically went and sold all of our treasure chests before they respawned. And it was like, damn. And that's just like our first encounter with other people. So mm. I'm so stoked to just have those like emergent gameplay moments where we do that kind of stuff. And then they respawned on their ship, which was on the other side of the Island. Yeah. And so then they came around to us and just obliterated our ship. Yeah. But it didn't matter because we'd already <laughs> sold our loot. So we were good. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's such a fun game. I'm so excited to just dig into it more. Cause yeah, yeah I feel like we haven't, just scratch the surface at all there's it's just so low pressure like that's the thing with so many of these other games where it's like you feel a you feel like once you've bought it and you're bought into the ecosystem like you feel a pressure to keep up like Mm. with games like destiny 2 and division 2 like if you fall behind the curve it's gonna be hard to keep up with the content and it's like that sucks that feeling yeah that feeling sucks and i love that i can just jump into this whenever it doesn't matter yeah it's it's awesome mm-hmm. yeah very cool um i would like to recommend um a comic book so um a while ago uh, i think on one of our extra credits episodes i talked about how i was um not enjoying uh fantastic four uh the like when marvel brought back fantastic four uh and one of the, I don't know if I talked about it, but one of the books that I was um, very nervous of was the relaunch of Daredevil. And this is uh, Daredevil. It's written by Chip Zdarsky, which is a writer that um, I've just never really been a fan of. Um, if you don't hmm. recognize the name, uh, I'm sure he's actually become a like very prolific writer for Marvel in the past couple of years, but I mainly know him as the artist of sex criminals. Oh yeah. uh, Yeah. Which is a very incredible image book um, that definitely go and find if you've never read it, but he was the artist and he has this very like, this very like weird sense of humor that 
totally works for a book called Sex Criminals. But when he got named to write Daredevil, I was just like very nervous and I just didn't know. I, I just didn't know what to expect. And um, his first arc um, for Daredevil is out. I think there's a collected issue, uh, like collected trade paperback coming out next month, I think. But it's incredible. And I it completely nice. blew, blew me away how good it is. Um, he is, I mean, for Daredevil, like, this is some incredible writing. And um, the art, uh, oh, and look up the artist. Um, the art is stunning in this book. Um, but uh, it's also very similar to the Netflix show. Um, I'm sure that's done hmm. on purpose. But you can, it's like very dark. Um, it's very gritty. Uh, it, like, I can see that, like, a future, like, almost a future season of that show could be, like, just a straight adaptation of this book. Cause it, it very, it seems like it's very much, like, kind of taking uh, from, like, that aesthetic from the Netflix show. Sure. Um, uh, so yeah, if you are, um, if you're looking for a comic book, if you're a fan, especially if you're a fan of that Netflix show, I mean, I think this is a pretty great way to start. Uh, you don't necessarily need to know, um, like what happened, like what recently happened to Daredevil to like kind of understand what's going on. Uh, you might be a little lost, but, um, it's not that it shouldn't be that difficult to kind of quickly catch up to understand what's going on. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, um, that's daredevil from chip Sidarsky. The, the first arc is called to no fear. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you're a, a collect, um, a person who likes to read comics and collections, um, that first volume is coming out soon and I'm really looking forward to his next arc. I, um, I don't know how long he's going to write this book. Uh, usually when writers jump on Daredevil, they're on for like several years. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, what Chip has planned for Daredevil. Um, so I'm really excited. Nice. Sweet. Daredevil's like your boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... You screw it, like, you screw up Fantastic Four, like, I mean, that hurts, but, like, if you screw up Daredevil, like, you're going for my heart. Like, that's... <laughs> that shit hurts. <laughs> um... All right, that's it for this episode of Credits Due. Um, I hope you'll join us in two weeks where we're talking about a movie that I'm not sure that I'm prepared to watch. Uh, it is called Game Change. Uh, it's an HBO film about, uh, what was it? The 2012 election um, with uh, between... Barack Obama and um, John McCain, where oh, Julian God. Moore plays 
the titular game changer in uh, oh. <laughs> uh, Sarah oh, Palin. God. What oh, God. is this? I, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, this is a it's based off of the book that um, called Game Change that is about it's like it's about um, all the uh, like there's a chapter that's about um, oh, it's not John Kerry. Who's the guy who's the Democrat during that who slept with a prostitute? Oh. Um, <laughs> There's only one. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, I, don't, I, I remember. Don't, but I don't and then remember. there's like a long section that's about Obama. And I think the idea that this movie was gonna be about there was gonna be like this was gonna be a series that was about like all of the politicians uh in that election. Mm. But they only made uh one. Um hmm. it's an incredible movie. Uh I've seen it. I remember really liking it, but that was you know, before, like, we elected an internet troll that, uh, I mean. Yeah. It We're is, in a new era. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because when the movie came out, it was like, wow, this is a great depiction of how we dodged a bullet by not, like, <laughs> like Sarah Palin could have easily been the president uh, or, you know. I mean, one chair away from being the president. Right. And it's like, yeah, that we dodged the bullet, but it's it's wrapped around the earth and came back and killed us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Yep. So really looking forward to that. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember it being a good movie, but who knows? Who knows? It's a simpler. It was a simpler time back then. <laughs> All right. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so until then, uh, Tyler, why don't you tell people where they can uh, find you online? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler Owen. And uh, yeah, uh, I also make video games on my website, randomseedgames.com. Oh, you can find me, Neil, on Twitter at Dino Neil Man. You can find me on Twitter at Cronmaster. That's C R O G H A N Master. You can follow the show at Credits Do Pod. Um, and thank you uh, for listening. Thank you for joining us. Um, hope you'll join us in two weeks when we'll talk about game change. And uh, until then, remember, as always, when I told. Uh, when I told you when I had to work late, I really went to see the new Twilight movie by myself, and it was so bad. <laughs> that was that was one of those moments where I was like, that, that was a genuinely good joke. <laughs>